All right, so uh, this morning's going to be a little different. As you can tell, one song, and I'm talking to you. No announcements except what I'm going to give you right now because we have a lot to get through this morning. Uh, next week, we go to three services. None of you are probably going to show up at the 815, but I'm throwing it out there anyway. All right? 815. I'll be very angry at the 815, by the way, because I'll be very tired. Uh, women's Bible studies, both are uh, one starting this Tuesday morning, the night one starting the week after that. They would like you to sign up if you're a woman and you want to come so they know how many books to buy. So go in the back and do that. Uh, men are having a ping pong tournament next Saturday. If you're a dude and you're into ping pong, ping pong, ping pong, uh, they want you to sign up. For this because they're trying to get some snacks and stuff so there's food for you guys to eat because we know at 10 o'clock in the morning you're going to want some potato chips and soda apparently so uh if on the back of the sermon notes this morning right here if you have a qr reader on your smartphone you can scan that and it'll bring you to a page where you can sign up you're welcome eddie <laughs> and uh, also you can sign up in the back uh, what we're going to do is, if you're coming, we ask you to bring five bucks just to pitch in for all the snacks and stuff. It is going over noon, so if you're nice enough, maybe Eddie will even pick you up some pizza, too. And then you won't be hungry the rest of the day, because you'll eat that pizza and you'll be like, whoa, there. Also, in two weeks, we're having a newcomer party. We want you, if you're newer to Element, trying to get connected, feel like you haven't connected well enough yet, come to the newcomer party. Uh, I will tell you what's kind of cool is next month we're doing a wedding for a couple people that met at a newcomer party. So you may just get lucky. All right, uh, and this is, I think, my most important announcement for you this morning. Um, we at Elements, when we started, we, we take calling very seriously. And when we first started Element, we had three elders. Uh, we had like 14 deacons. Uh, but we take eldership. Eldership, we believe, is synonymous with the word pastor. And so we, we only had three. It was Tom, Eric, and I. Eric was the guy who spoke last week, if you don't know who he is. Uh, Tom ended up moving to Montana about eight months ago. And we have been looking for another elder to help be a shepherd of element. And this crazy dude and his wife and kids kind of show up at one point, and you know, we, we really like him. I think they're kind of cool. But when he doesn't even know this, but we started watching his life uh, for, for almost a year. And then we met with him and talked with him and he and his wife and... Uh, and about three weeks ago, Eric, the other elder, and I sat down. We had we had breakfast with this gentleman, and we invited him to be one of the elders at Element. And then last week, he accepted. This is Jonathan Whitaker, right here in the back. So there you go. If you have complaints, right there. No, <laughs> uh, you'll get to know him more and more over uh, the course of the next few months as well. Why don't you guys stand with me, reading to God's word? This is Luke chapter 12, verse 48. It says, Everyone to whom much was given of him much will be required. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you make us into a people who understand that not only have we been given grace, but yet you call us then to something greater. And we ask that we'll all be done in your name and for your glory and for your honor. Amen. Have a seat. So I've only got a few minutes to speak. They gave me like 20 minutes. Uh, so I'm going to do my best in these 20 minutes to help you understand why we do what we do at Element. I'm no lollygagging around, just going to jump in. You'll get back to your normally scheduled services next week. Hopefully that'll be okay and you'll like that. Uh, sometimes people ask us, you know, why, why do you do like two songs, announcements, greeting, message, songs? Like, because honestly, statistics show 80% of people in our culture like the same thing every single week. And when you mess that up, people are like, I can't worship God, so we want to help people to worship 
worship God as best as possible. So we do the same thing kind of every week. This week is different, so don't get all freaked out. It's just one week. You're, you're going to be okay. Trust me. Now, when I, when I think about uh, the, this whole idea of what, why Almond does what we do, I first like to think about how much has God blessed us as a church, as a place that we call Element. Because all that God has done in the last three and a half years simply astounds me. And I think it's one of the reasons why Jesus says, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. We must ask ourselves, are we in the category of those who have been given much? Generally speaking, has God been generous to us? And you look at this in a myriad of ways. We have freedom in this country to get together and to worship God with minimal government interference. And that's a freedom that not a lot of people in the world actually enjoy. But then you think about the people around us, the gifts of experience, of relationships, of different vocations, of knowing Christ for years, of financial resources, uh, the backgrounds we've gone through, the, the awareness some people of technology that can actually help you fix your computer or set your DVR so it works okay. You think about the relational networks that we have with each other, the learning opportunities, the sheer energy of the people that gather together, the blessings of being a community. We can actually come together with our brokenness. These are all gifts from God. We didn't earn them. We do not deserve them. We don't merit them. And all the gifts that God gives us, none of those gifts make one person more important or more valuable than another person. But when you think about the blessing quotient that God has given element on a scale of zero to infinity, that's not like a funky, that's an infinity symbol like Buzz Lightyear infinity and beyond, what would you say is the blessing quotient for element? Infinite. We have been infinitely blessed. I don't think there's any question about that whatsoever. And in this, I think then, so if God's blessed us, what's his aspiration for us? What are his dreams for element? Again, to whom much was given, much is required. I don't know any way of saying this except to say it through absolutely nothing to do with anybody in this room meriting anything. God has infinitely blessed us. Jesus is the only variable in that. So how much Infinite. The second question I have is, you know, what then are the spiritual needs of the Santa Maria Valley? What's the spiritual needs quotient of the Santa Maria Valley Vandenberg Air Force Base? Zero to infinity. And you can look at all sorts of raw data in this. The majority of people today in our country are considered spiritual. But a small percentage of that spiritual actually believe in Jesus. In statistical data, they use a term that's called adherence to an evangelical church. Adherence, that word is even kind of a loose term. Because that doesn't mean there are people who are involved in serving and worshiping regularly, all fired up. These adherents might only go to a church a couple times a year, and they are categorized as adherence. And that is actually shrinking. A couple years ago, I met this person. They'd come the week after Thanksgiving and the week after Christmas. And then I got up to speak. And that's like the only two times they've been there. And they called Element their home church. And they're like, who's that guy? Like, meaning me. And I'm like, I don't know who that guy is. We got to get rid of that guy. You know, because they hadn't been here. And it's like, who's that? And I was like, you know, I don't, whatever. So the fastest growing segment when it comes to faith in our country is what these data archives called unclaimed. They don't claim anything. They're just spiritual. That's the data side. Let me get a little personal for you because I bet you have people in your life that you care about. So I can make this really concrete. A lot of times we carry around pictures with us of people that we care about. Now, I want you to do this. If you have a, a wallet or a cell phone or a pocketbook and you have a picture of somebody that you take with you, of somebody you care about, I want you to pull it out right now. Physically do that. Pull it out. Open up your phone. Do whatever you got to do. Somebody that you can look at and that, and that you care about, and looking at them just makes a difference. Uh, this is a picture I keep on my cell phone right here. This is my wife. She, do not tell her I showed this picture to you, because if you do, she will kill me. She fell asleep with the cat. That cat died a little bit ago. You know, That's a good thing. 
anyway, so she falls asleep next to me, and, and she's holding the calculus, and I go, oh, click. And seriously, sometimes I'm feeling down and stuff. I actually will look at this picture that I keep in my phone of my wife. I, I actually have other pictures of her and I together, but I like this one because I think it's, it's really cute. Now, if you have a picture in your phone or something like that, what I want you to do is I want you to show it to the person next to you, and I want you to say, I care about this person right here. You don't have a picture. All I got you is your like a driver's license. Show them your picture and say, "I care about that person right there." Now, if you are blessed enough to have grandkids, tell somebody why your grandkids are more cute than their grandkids. Something like that. Okay, show somebody. All right. Now that I just lost all your attention spans. All right, back here. So we all have people in our lives who we love. Now, I want to show a hands on this one. How many of you in this room would say there's at least one person in your life that you are concerned about their spiritual welfare? That should be all of us. All of us. Now, what you have to think is, what does God see? What does God see? And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. God loves His creation. He dies for the sin of His people. You will never find someone on this planet that Jesus does not love. And so when God looks at the Santa Maria Valley and he sees messed up families and sees kids running around on the streets, he sees a level of sexual confusion and promiscuity. He sees rampant, unrepentant greed and arrogance and cynicism and violence and a value system that's all out of whack. He sees people who know nothing about Jesus and who being part of a larger community of brothers and sisters in faith is a non-option. They never think about sin or repentance for their soul. Not because they've thought it all through, but they just live in a society that is so rampantly secularized that they have no idea what they're messing. And they see church as a joke or a punchline of some sort. How do you think God feels when he looks down at the Santa Maria Valley that he loves? What are the spiritual needs quotient of the Santa Maria Valley? Zero to infinity. It's infinite. It is infinite. It's off the charts. So what is God's dream for element with the blessings he's given us? It is off the charts. Now, the last one is what I like to call the God multiplier quotient. Now, don't get all weird on me. I'll explain what this means. There's an interesting theme throughout the scriptures. And it comes a number of places where people with humility offer what they have to God, and God multiplies it. Jesus is teaching a crowd. Everybody's hungry. Nobody has any food except for one little boy whose mom was nice enough to pack him a lunch. He gives it to Jesus, and Jesus takes some fishes and loaves and feeds thousands of people with it. Jesus one time is telling a parable about a sower and some seeds. And it's the same principle. And he says this in Mark 4, verse 20. But those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word, of, the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Because the real leverage in human contribution is not you and me and our strengths and our gifts. It is what God does with those things. It is God's multiplying effect. Jesus says they get multiplied 30, 60, or even 100 times over. So, at Element, and God has blessed us this way, and God sees the needs around us, what do you think is the multiplication factor that God wants to use with us? 30, 60, 100? Infinite. 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 I'm not infinite. A thousand. Yeah, it's, it's all good. I mean, infinite's not in the Bible, but it's great faith. I like that. Okay, that's where we go. So, what is God's aspiration for us as a church? I'll tell you what it isn't. It's not last year plus 5%. It's not full rooms. It's not a met budget. It has nothing to do with smoothly running programs. It is infinity times infinity, so infinity squared times 100, 1,000, infinity. How much is that? Well, we can't, a lot. We can't do the math, but I'll tell you, we have a Savior who did. 
and what he calls his people to. Because the question is not up to us. We don't get to set the bar in a place and say we're comfortable with this in our own human power. You know, with our own human gifts so we can clear the bar and we can make it and feel better about ourselves and say, oh, look, we did what we wanted to do. We set our goal and and here it is. Because it has nothing to do with us. Jesus does the math and Jesus is the one who sets the bar for us. Now, I've been thinking about this over the last few weeks. You know, some stuff happens before Christmas and we go through the Christmas holidays and I'm meeting and talking with people and I start to think about urgency. Just sheer spiritual urgency. And we live in an area where there's a lot of spiritual urgency and there's a lot of physical urgency and a lot of economic urgency. I I heard this guy uh, a few months ago talking about these things in business. And and this is what he says about his business. He said, publicly we would talk about service and excellence and quality and all that stuff was true. We believed in it. But privately the reality is every morning we would wake up and the question we'd be thinking was, how can we put the competition out of business? Now I wouldn't say that publicly. We didn't like on the website say our goal was to drive our rivals out of business. We would say quality, service, and all that stuff is true. But the reality is we woke up every morning asking, how can we outthink, outstrategize, outperform our rivals so overwhelmingly that they'll be psychologically demoralized, emotionally defeated, and organizationally obliterated. That's what we do. All right? So got me thinking about our urgency. Who's the competition for us? And people get this all out of whack in their minds because our competition is not other churches. Every church is a partner and an ally. When we lift up the name of Jesus Christ, and they do too, that's a wonderful thing. We thank God for Lutherans and Episcopalians and most Methodists, you know. <laughs> You know, non-denominationalists. Do you know that there's over a hundred types of Baptist denominations alone? There's Northern Baptists and Southern Baptists and American Baptists and General Baptists and Particular Baptists and Primitive Baptists. There's even this one. I am not making this up. It's called Two Seed in the Spirit Predestinarian Baptist. I don't know all they believe, but if they lift up Jesus, that's awesome. I thank God they're around. Jesus is the chief shepherd of the church. He defines the competition for us like this. He asked the disciples in Matthew 16, 15, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church, we have Jesus, or Jesus more importantly has us, that's it. Not power, not money, not political agenda, it is Jesus. His life, his story, his words, his teaching, his father, his death on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins, his resurrection for the hope of eternity, his body, his spirit, Jesus is it. And we want Element to be Jesus' church. I'll tell you, even before we had an idea to plant a church called Element, Jesus was still the head of this church. As long as I or Jesus have anything to say about it, this will always be Jesus' church, and hopefully it will be Jesus' church long after I am dead and buried. Jesus is building his church, and he says the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, our competition is hell. And this is interesting imagery because most people think of churches being huddled up and we're afraid of hell, oh, don't go near it, oh, look at it. But he says, no, it's the gates of hell that will not prevail. The image is the church taking on hell, battering down its gates. It's the competition. And the work of hell in our vernacular today is wherever the will of God is defied. That's where hell is at work, where hell is prevailing. So you look at the Santa Maria Valley, and this is what you see about hell. Every time a child is unwanted, unloved, uncared for, no dreams, doesn't think it's worth it to finish their education, that is hell prevailing. It's a lie of hell. Every time a couple gets married and they look at each other's eyes and they make these promises for a lifetime and it crashes and burns, that's hell prevailing. That's not what God intended. 
Every time there is racial differences that divide a street and a neighborhood, a city, a church, a community, and there is distrust and there is suspicion and there's oppression, that's hell prevailing. Every time money gets idolized and worshipped and allowed to determine somebody's worth, somebody's value, somebody's security, somebody's dream, that's hell prevailing. Every time a lie is told and truth gets trampled on, it's hell prevailing. Every time generations of people become separated and isolated, that is hell prevailing. When families are broken up, when virtue gets torn down, when sinful habits create a life of hidden shame or a whole culture of shamelessness, when faith gets undermined and lost, when hope gets trampled on, when people get trashed, hell is prevailing and is not acceptable to Jesus and should never be acceptable to his church that hell prevails. It is not okay. And for you and I, our job is not to meet a budget. It is not to run a program. It is not to fill a building. All, the, all those things are nice. It is not to maintain the status quo. It's not to keep any traditions perpetuated. Our job is to glorify God by lifting up Jesus Christ, and so doing, we put hell out of business. This is why Jesus goes to the cross on a Friday, why he lays in the tomb on a Saturday, why he was raised to new life on a Sunday. It is why we proclaim Jesus Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature, redeemed, complete, whole, healed in Christ. It is all in Jesus. It is Jesus we proclaim. And Jesus calls us to do that in a community while being in community. And this, this morning, is why we do a different service. It's why we're talking about gospel communities. And our goal today is not to have any of you walk out here feeling like second-class citizens if you are not involved in a gospel community. Our goal is to let you know why we believe it's important, why we do what we do, so that maybe one day, five weeks, five months, five years, you will step out and step into one of these gospel communities, and your life will begin to take this multiplying quotient that God has placed in it and begin to reach out and start touching people around you. Because we believe that together we teach and admonish one another. So we'll be able to present one another one day mature in Christ. So that everybody in the Santa Maria Valley, every hopeless child, every penniless junkie, junkie every person who's way too caught up in themselves and arrogant can instead flourish under the love and the grace and the power of God. Because God wants his people to live in shalom where everything is done the right time at the right way and God's will breaks out and the gates of hell are busted down because of Jesus' blessing in our lives. And we are not about putting on better services. We're not about filling up more rooms. We're not about having a staff work harder. We're not about launching a few more programs. Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with those things. But I'll tell you, doing okay is not okay. We exist to put hell out of business. And now how are we going to do that? by lifting up Jesus and trying to get everybody involved in a community moving forward, worshiping Jesus Christ. We will gather around each other and help each other grow. How do we chain boys into men and girls to be women? How do we learn how to parent better? How do we equip for ministry better? How do we discipleship one another? How do we live on mission? How do we care for each other? How do we offer greater service to those around us and our community? How do we evangelize people? How do we offer accountability? How do we raise up new leaders? How do we have all ages and all walks of life together on mission? Gospel community. That's why we do what we do. And I'll tell you, Jesus died so that we can be reconciled to God, then reconciled to each other. It's what we call element, element. Element are the, the, the surroundings necessary for life. That is, first and foremost, Jesus Christ, and secondly, the community he places us within. And so this morning, you're going to get a whole service for the next half hour plus about why gospel community is important and what we see in it that is important and what we want you to know about it. 
So we're going to the band come back up. We're going to uh, offer you guys communion and go. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to get going. Father, thank you so much for being a God who loves us more than we can ever understand, who reconciles us not only to you, but to each other. And so that we can live lives where our hands and our feet do the things that you would have us do so that you gain greater glory and the gates of hell are busted down and you are made more widely known and your glory is more widely seen because of how your people live together. Jesus, you said that people will know you by how we love one another. And so I ask that you would reinforce in all of our hearts the necessity for living in a community that's centered on you and the gospel and living out what you call us to live, what you have done in us that we would live out. And that you above all would be glorified and honored by how we do this. Thank you for being the God, not just of us, but of our city and our state and our nation and of our world. And that we'd be a people who glorify you in everything that we do. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So if you've been around Element for a little while, you know just how much we actually talk about gospel community. And that's because we firmly believe that as Jesus' church, we will best fulfill our biblical calling together as God's people meeting during the normal course of our everyday lives. And that we can't do it alone or just on a Sunday morning. Gospel community is where church really happens. This is where all of the one another's that we read about in Scripture take place, where we learn to love one another and serve one another and encourage and support one another and teach one another and correct one another and rebuke one another and be patient with one another and forgive one another and many of the other things that we're commanded to do in Scripture. These can only take place when we're spending time together. And so we, as Element, have laid down four cornerstones as foundational principles for gospel community. And you have them in your notes. And first, you have family. And that's just spending time together. It's eating together and helping one another and having fun together and eating together and praying for one another and crying together and exercising together and eating together and... (laughs) You get the idea. The second one is learning. It's learning together, studying God's word and discussing it and arguing and challenging one another and and teaching one another. And the third one is serving together, doing things together to meet the needs of others. It's looking for opportunities and ways that we can serve those both inside the church as well as outside. And the fourth one is mission. And that's planning ways that our groups can bring Jesus' gospel to those who don't know him. And that involves intentional efforts to identify people groups in our community that need to know Jesus. And then coming up with plans and developing the means for ways to connect to those people and showing them how this good life in God's kingdom can be for them as well. So the purpose for today is to give you a glimpse into what's going on in gospel communities at Element. We've had small groups for a while, but this idea of gospel community is different, and it's really a fairly young idea. It's less than two years old. And God has done some amazing things this past year in our church through gospel communities. And so we wanted to take today and give you a more personal look into what's happening, and hopefully to encourage you, if you're not in a gospel community, to see what life can be like as a part of one. Howdy, I'm Trevor. I'm one of the uh, gospel community leaders here at Element. And uh, with me here is my friend Clarissa. 
her and her husband are in our gospel community group, and they've been a really tremendous blessing uh, in our lives uh, that we've, as we've had opportunities to share life together. Um, Clarissa, I want to ask you just a couple questions. Um, first, let's start with, how were you introduced to Element? Well, my husband works for Pete Newman, and um, back in April, my, um, Pete asked or invited us to go to a GC, and uh, we were going there for a few weeks, and then we went to a Good Friday service, and then from there we started coming, been coming ever since. I like how um, their first experience with Element was through Gospel Community Group. Somebody invited them to a GC, and I think that's a really exciting um, new, new future for churches to, uh, to grow. <clears throat> Clarissa, what has been your experience with being in a GC? Well, it's been a, a great learning experience to come, uh, come together with other believers and talk about um, uh, the scriptures and what we learn on Sunday or what we hear. We've been able to uh, openly talk about uh, what we hear, and I've been able to ask questions about commentaries and um, how to study more about the Word. One week I remember Clarissa asking me about a commentary. She says, what is a commentary? And I had the opportunity to... Uh, describe that to her, and uh, what happened after that? Tell me what happened after that. Well, you brought me a commentary that was really uh, several of them big. <laughs> I went home with a few books, about four of them, big yeah. books. <laughs> and the next week when uh, she said she'd bring them back, she didn't have them because she was totally into reading them. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Why, is, uh, why is it important to learn and grow in our knowledge of God and his story? Uh, so I can um, live and speak the truth and... Uh, in my life daily, and then hopefully, you know, share it with other people. That's awesome. Um, what has being in a GC meant to you personally in your life? Uh, it's meant a lot. Um, I just feel like uh, I have like a family, a church family. Uh, I can come and ask for prayer, um, ask any kind of questions that I have. Um, I just feel really close with everybody that's there, like a family. It's really close to family. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Hi, my name's Jonathan. Um, I'm an elder here at, at Element. You look so young, Adam. I know what you're thinking. That's just a glimpse of what's going on here at Element with our gospel communities. Um, and Eric said it, but I want to kind of emphasize how important eating is to gospel communities and to me on a very personal level. But if you're interested in learning more about GCs and you, or you want to get involved, our GC leaders are going to be posted back at the Welcome Center with all the information you need. Uh, highly recommend it. If you want to get involved today, though, we have the primer gospel community that meets at 1245 in the lobby. Uh, and I encourage you if, you, if you want to check it out, that's a great, uh, safe place to do it uh, right here at the church. Um, we, uh, we have another uh, event coming up um, that teaches us about biblical fundamentals, and actually it's kind of the path uh, to church membership here, and that's the gospel class, and that's going to be starting next weekend. Um, Eric Chifruti is going to be teaching the, the first of a six-week course. Um, so if, if you're new to the church and, you want, and you're interested in membership, I highly encourage you to get involved in the gospel class. All right, next week we're going to be starting our epic journey through the book of Genesis, a one-year study that I just learned is going to take 73 weeks. <laughs> but uh, at the beginning of this, uh, I, I'm pleased to announce that we're going to have another gospel community that's going to be starting up. Uh, so if you're looking for a home, 
Uh, I'd like to introduce to you uh, our newest gospel community leaders, um, Nathan and Jesse Youngblood. Do you mind coming forward? If you haven't had the pleasure of meeting the Youngbloods, you have certainly been blessed by them. Um, Week in and week out, they're responsible for and have taken on the duty of decorating the church, um, especially throughout the Christmas season, which was such a massive undertaking, a lot of uh, hard work and blood, sweat, and and long hours, and it it uh, it really came together well, and we thank you for it. So the Youngbloods are going to be meeting starting next Sunday. So if you want to be part of that, uh, they'll be available in the back of the church um, with the rest of the gospel community leaders. They can answer any questions you might have. Um, But uh, I'd like to now uh, cover them with a word of prayer, uh, a blessing for this new venture that they're about to start out. So if you don't mind, bow your heads with me. Father God, uh, we thank you for uh, Nathan and Jessa, and we thank you for their faith and commitment to, uh, to starting out this new ministry, Lord. We pray that um, you'll give them your blessing, Lord, to speak your words, to teach others. Lord, give them endurance for the long road ahead, uh, discernment for the difficult situations that can arise. Lord, uh, please send them your disciples who long to know you. Father, we long to share your communion, and we pray pray that uh, you'll be present in this ministry. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.